As it says, just a slice of the history of the PCA. Absolutely. Well, let, 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 let's get started because these introductions are, are good. So um, thank you, men, both for your time. I, I am very sorry about the, the half hour of, of problems, uh, but I do think this will be a real blessing to the PCA. And so for our listeners, this is the Presbyterian and Reformed Churchman. Uh, I'm Pastor George, and I am blessed and honored to have on the call with us uh, both Dr. O. Palmer Robertson and uh, ruling elder Wayne Sparkman, who is our church historian. Now, I may have gotten his title wrong, and he is going to tell us exactly what he is. But gentlemen, uh, hello, Dr. Robertson. Hello. Thank you for being with us again. Hello. It's good to be with you. Praise God. And Wayne, thank you, sir, for being with us. I know it was difficult with the technology. Uh, I'm sorry for that. Yeah, we'll be trying to solve that soon. <laughs> um, I, I suspect my computers are too old. Uh, may be part of the problem. Uh, one correction, not the historian for the PCA, but the archivist. Uh, I, I gather and things and make them accessible. Uh, I don't write so much about the history of the PCA, but uh, that's sort of a difficult thing for me to do as it turns out. But uh, I do enjoy gathering these things and then, um, like I said, making them accessible. All the issues of session to session are available on the PCA Historical Center's uh, website. Well, well, that's great. And so that's really how this this call came about was because you had contacted me. I don't know if you heard about this podcast or you knew I had a relationship with uh, Dr. Robertson and said, you, you need to have him on your podcast and discuss session to session. Now, I hadn't heard about session to session. And I said, well, if I'm going to have Dr. Robertson on, this is a ruling elder podcast. I want to have you on, sir. And so... uh are you are a ruling elder? Is that correct, Wayne? Yes. Yes. What's the church? What church are you at? Uh, we attend uh, Covenant Presbyterian Church here in St. Louis. I'm not uh, on the session there, but had been on the session pre prior to moving here to St. Louis. At, okay. At the church we attended in Tulsa. Got you. Okay. So, what what is it about? session to session that triggered your mind to tell me that I should, um, you know, have a discussion about this? What, what, what stood out to you about that? Uh, just the breadth of coverage and that uh, Dr. Robertson was tending to a need that is still being recognized today with, uh, you see the uh, was it Brad Isbell and uh, the Moore movement uh, trying to get more ruling elders in the General Assembly and some of these different things that are going on today that really do kind of have their beginnings in what Dr. Robertson was doing with session to session. Okay, thank you. So so that's, that's a great place to bring you in, uh, Dr. Robertson. So can you tell us what session to session is, how you thought of starting it or being a part of it, and uh, and and what what need you you saw it filling in the PCA? And by the way, thank you for my bound copy of session to session. Uh, I have all of the uh, all of them here, and I've already kind of flagged some uh, that I found interesting. But go ahead, Doctor Robertson, tell us about session to session. Oh yeah, okay, yes, session to session. The, the concept goes back to the origins of the PCA and actually to the ad address to all the nations, the message to all the churches of Jesus Christ throughout the world that was initially proposed and presented at the First General Assembly. There were, at that time, 296 signatures and a total of 300 and 
87 delegates to that first General Assembly in Birmingham, Alabama, but a portion of that address to all the nations was to, the, the idea was to explain why this church, this new denomination is coming to existence, a little bit of the history, a little bit of the, the central ideas. And one of the central ideas that was underscored was that this denomination, this new portion of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, will be distinctive in that the the principal all the principal works of the church will be done through its courts rather than through boards and agencies and the reason for that was historical that is the origin of the pca occurred in part one of the major reasons was that the boards of the older PCUS, the Presbyterian Church in the United States, had drifted from a commitment to the Bible as the infallible Word of God, and the Christian Education Board of the that older denomination, the old denomination from which the PCA originally was formed, was beginning to promote viewpoints of the Bible that denied its its origin in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so that the authorship of the Pentateuch was denied, the authorship of Isaiah as a single book was denied, the authorship of Daniel was denied, and there were rationalizations to try to explain these writings rather than accepting the testimony of Scripture itself. So we were as we formed, were disappointed and uh, did not want to fall into the same trap of having boards lead us astray. So the concept was that the courts of the church, as courts, would be the ones who determined the direction of the church, not the boards and agencies, and would carry out the work of the church. So that, for instance, even in the area of seminaries, the seminaries would not be primarily or originally in the PCA coming from the denomination as, as denominational you know, institutions, but they could come from a variety of sources. They could come from individuals or they could come from sessions. The session being a, a body of the church. So you have from the very beginning, Browood Presbyterian Church establishing the Birmingham Theological Seminary. And shortly thereafter, you have the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church establishing Knox Theological Seminary. And this was a wholly new concept that a, that a local session could take such a bold action as to establish a seminary. And that, again, was another reason why the PCA came into existence. The seminaries had come to the point that none of them were willing to affirm the infallibility and inerrancy of the scriptures. And that came as a consequence of boards and agencies as the only ones that were promoting the seminaries. So the PCA, in its original declaration to all the churches, said, we are going to have the courts of the church, not boards and agencies, that is, elders meeting in session, ruling and teaching elders, determining how the church is to go forward. And so session to session was formed as a ministry of the the session of the church in Maryland, the Wallace Memorial Presbyterian Church session, a fairly large session with 24 elders, and they came together and said, we're going to promote a news magazine that will communicate from one session to another session 
from elders to elders so that the 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 significant issues that come before the church will be aired by the courts of the church so that was the basic idea that was behind session to session and actually it proved to be a a very effective tool for communicating across sessions from one court to another concerning the issues as they came before the church so how how did they disseminate that they just mailed it to all the churches on record in the PCA well if you look at your issues you'll notice that there is a possibility of subscribing there is actually a place where it says this may be your last issue and if you uh, don't subscribe you you may not get it now <laughs> the, the session of Wallace Memorial Presbyterian Church you know, did all that it could, and it had some donors that uh, contributed. By the way, you, you will notice, for instance, on page four, there, there were advisory editors. They were actually not just our own session, but there were representatives of several denominations that served as advisory editors. They came from the PCA, from the OPC, from the CRC, the Christian Reformed Church, the ARP, various representatives such as Sinclair Ferguson, Bob Godfrey, who was the president of of Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, Joseph Hall, who was was a professor at Covenant Seminary, Norman Harper, a professor at Belhaven College, Glenn Connect, Joseph Piper, who became the founding or one of the early presidents of Greenville Theological Seminary and several others, so that the effort was to have a representative of several reformed denominations to be be, in charge of the editorial policy of session to session so that again it was not a a single person's show but it was something that was being communicated from one church court to other church courts yes awesome and and kenneth a myers which of course does the mars hill uh, and, and he's an author of many books. And so he was the managing ed- editor. You were the executive editor. And yeah, I saw that list of, of names, Sinclair Ferguson and, and Robert Godfrey and Joey Piper. And so uh, an amazing list of people there. Wayne, how did you come across this? Like, how, did So these things are circulating among churches. How did they make their way into the PCA historical uh, records? We had issues of this. Uh, I don't remember that we necessarily had a complete set, but we did have, when I came into this job here in the Historical Center, we had uh, issues sitting amongst our collection. We had been receiving, I guess we had been one of the subscribers. Uh, But we also have, I would have come across it in another way, and that we have three boxes of records from the Wallace Memorial Presbyterian Church, primarily centering on the Kaysman trial, which was a rather notorious trial, just to explain for your audience, uh, where you had a man in the PCUSA who denied a number of... uh, key doctrines of orthodoxy, uh, the deity of Christ and so forth, uh, and yet he was ordained in spite of his denials. Yeah, wow. So how long have you been in that role, Wayne? Uh, About 22 years. Okay. Wow. Praise God. And so we are coming on, uh, this is our 50th anniversary, the PCA being founded in 1973, of course. And this would have been our 51st General Assembly, but with 2020s being postponed or canceled, I don't know how they view that. This is the 50th. So in God's providence, the 50th General Assembly on the uh, 50th anniversary. 
And I'm just going to read this letter, uh, Dr. Robertson, that you wrote uh, on the front cover of, of your bound book, which I don't know if Wayne has a copy of this, but... I do. Um, okay, good. The 50th year is upon us, Dr. Robertson writes, 50 years since the first and organizing General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America. How we must praise the Lord for his faithfulness through all these years. Amen. It was my great privilege to serve as a delegate to the originating assembly held at Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and to be among the 296 ruling and teaching elders who personally signed the message to all churches of Jesus Christ throughout the world, dated December 7th, 1973. I have that outside my office, actually. Uh, the total number of delegates came to 387, which may be compared to 2,385 delegates at the June 22, uh, 2022 General Assembly. Since the courts of the church, beginning with its various sessions, are the places where decisions that determine the faith and life of the church should be made, session to session attempted to open the way for these most basic courts of the church to communicate with one another. The goal was always to promote the strengthening and growth of biblical Presbyterianism in America. And, and and the letter goes on. And so uh, I think that's a beautifully written, I should have just let Dr. Robertson read it, um, letter that he wrote and he bound it in this, this booklet. But Wayne, is there a way for people to access these through the uh, PCA historical records? Are these on PDF in any way? Or Yeah, yeah all the issues of session to session are, are available in uh, PDFs. Uh, and I can post on our homepage, pcahistory.org. I'll post uh, later today a link to that. Um, yes, it's fascinating because uh, Dr. Robertson, I'm, I'm seeing like abortion and civil disobedience, an article you had written, um, very relevant articles. It's This wasn't, these weren't just articles and topics of church polity, but very much Christianity and culture type articles. Was that part of the, the goal of this was to speak to the issues of the day sort of thing? Yes, that was a part of the goal. We, uh, Kenneth Myers, as you know, was, was very uh, clued into what was happening in the culture of the day. And he had resources that, that certainly were not available to us, particularly on the, the session. And he was able to draw in uh, a lot of uh, matters that uh, were more than just what was immediately facing the the PCA or the other denominations of of the participating group. So, what? How many? How many issues were there? Are there? And and what years? Well, I, I haven't counted the issues, but uh, but the but the span was from 1987, which would have been the 14th year of the operation of the PCA. That would have been about the time that I moved from being a professor at Covenant Seminary to become a pastor at Wallace Memorial Presbyterian Church. I, I've all through my life, I've felt this strong call to the gospel ministry, but at the same time, uh, the call to teach in various seminaries. So I've gone back and forth between these. So I just come to Wallace Memorial Presbyterian Church as it pastor around 1987, and then uh, up until 1992, which was only which was a six-year period in which uh, it was more an occasional publication, not a, as, as we were able to put some material together, we would, we would send out an issue. Do, do you remember how many, uh, what the distribution was? How many church sessions received these? No, I, I'm not even, I'm sure that could be found somewhere because they had to be mailed out, but I have no idea. I, I know that we had quite a significant group of churches, and we would make them available at the General Assemblies as well. Oh. Presbyteries. Okay. And it was, I, I, I believe it was uh, your taking the field in Malawi 
that brought the publication of Session to Session to an end. Is that correct? That's correct. That, that was the third sense of call to ministry that I had, which was that even when I you know, first became a, a believer, I felt that God would one day have me in the mission field. It wasn't until I was in my 50s that that was realized, but uh, that's correct. When when we uh, transferred the, over to Malawi and Africa to teach at the African Bible College, I you know, the session to session came to its end. So, Wayne... Was there anything in these records as you've as you've looked through them that was interesting to you, or that you were curious uh, about to ask Dr. Robertson about? There were a number of things that caught my eye, and, and I've got a list of the various articles and so forth. I, I'd say particularly on, on one end of of the spectrum, he, Dr. Robertson wrote a word of appreciation for Morton, Howison, Smith who was the first stated clerk of the PCA. And that caught my eye because I'm currently working with Dr. Smith's papers, uh, trying to get that, those uh, arranged and described or processed. And then al also uh, his um, short article on Bill Rose, who was one of the founding fathers of the PCA, something of a character, but a man who was very much alive with the gospel. So do you, do you remember those, Palmer, or uh, uh, can you... If, if I may just comment a little bit about both of those. They were characters in two different directions. <laughs> Morton Smith was, you know, <laughs> he was, uh, he was such a a shy person that when he preached he could not make eye contact with the with the congregation he would find a spot up in the ceiling somewhere and he would focus on the ceiling and would preach but he he was that shy a a, a person but when you look at what he did he he was the the the, one of the first professors the, to turn Belhaven College around. It had been a girl, a women's college exclusively for 75 years. And one of the strategies of the Southern Presbyterians who believed the scriptures was to take over this sleepy girl's school and turn it into a high-powered pre-ministerial training school. And Morton Smith, was called from finishing up as he was finishing up his doctor's degree in Amsterdam at the Free University of Amsterdam, in which he wrote on the the Southern Presbyterian Church and its demise, its its great theologians. He came as the first theological professor there, and I studied under Morton Smith at at Belhaven. Then he was the first professor of Reformed Theological Seminary. It, it was he, his vision that started Reformed Seminary. He was an old worldwide, wild, world, world War II pilot, and he would get in his little airplane and fly for a year. There, there were five elders that said, we'll give $1,000 for one year $5,000 to see what God will do about the possibility of starting a new seminary. And so Martin Smith was hired and he would fly over to these cities and present, preach and present the cause of a new seminary. And at the end of that one year, they were able to start Reform Seminary. <laughs> then after a few years, the the Presbyterian Church in America was being formed, and Morton Smith was tapped to be the first stated clerk of the General Assembly. He wrote many of the documents, the original documents, the Book of Church Order, the particular confession of faith that we use. This address to all the churches was a lot 
uh, coming from Morton Smith's work, among others. There were there were very other many other people as well. But after many years there, he went and started another seminary. The first uh, professor at Greenville Theological Seminary in Greenville, South Carolina. You know, you look over that. That's that's quite a career for a shy, bashful person. But he had this strong faith in the Bible as the Word of God. Now, on the other hand, Bill Rose, <laughs> he was a wonderful evangelistic type of the old sort. You know, he would make gospel bombs and drop them in automobile windows as they passed by his his little, when, when there was ha! no... Uh, that's awesome. Eights and no air conditioning. People would stop at his little town in Mississippi, and he would throw gospel bombs into the it wrapped in the cellophane. And he could play quite a harmonica. But he says when he was converted, his his harmonica was converted, so it would play only hymns. But he was unique in, in that he could play two harmonicas at once, one with his mouth and one with his nose, but at the same time. But that was an evangelistic tribe, use for him. But he started on the, the, the spectrum over to, I guess you, I don't know whether we want to say left and right, but on in one direction, there were the very strong evangelistic types in the original PCA, and he was over on the right-hand side. But as the years go along, went along, he kept coming over and over and over until he ended up being what you would call a TR, a truly reformed person. And I once asked Bill, I said, Bill, what, how did this happen that you became so reformed? And he said, well, it, it was my exercise. While I was Riding my exercise every day, I was reading Reformed literature, and I was com totally converted to, to be a, a five-point Calvinist. But uh, that was in part a picture of what happened in the history of the early days of the PCA. You know, it was very interesting. I, I'm talking too much here, but just to share a little bit. You know, when we first was formed, I, I had some concerns about how reformed we were as we were getting started. And I talked to one of the older Orthodox Presbyterian men who had been in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church for a number of years, and he said, don't worry, don't worry. The PCA is far more reformed as it is beginning than the Orthodox Presbyterian Church was when it was beginning. Wow. And that was, as a matter of fact, true. And over the years, he said, don't worry, the, the Reformed faith will get stronger and stronger in the PCA. And that is, as a matter of fact, exactly what happened over the years. But those are just two individuals. And Morton Smith sometimes is, because he was so quiet, so bashful, he is forgotten. But he was a principal mover in the establishment of the PCA. And Bill Rose, uh, the, the little article that's there talks about a time in the General Assembly when some big issue was up and Bill Rose reached back to the earliest history of the earliest documents of the PCA to bring out a point that was very germane to the issue that was before us. So. Those two interesting characters of our early days. Well, that's, among, that's just great history. Go ahead, Wayne. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, among the papers of George Hutchinson, who wrote a history of the RPCES. Yes. And uh, among his papers, I came across an envelope full of tracks that Bill Rose had written. Is that right? Along with a letter that Bill wrote to George. And that was quite interesting to come across those tracks. And I don't think we have very much else here in the archives regarding Bill, but he, he was quite a character. Um, other things in session to session that were interesting, just 
in the very first issue, uh, the uh, excerpt from your sermon at the First General Assembly, which you titled here, Biblical Presbyterianism and the Faith Once Delivered. That was quite notable, I thought. Yes, that that was my privilege to to be one of those that that addressed the first general assembly. I I looked back over those a, a few days ago. There were about five addresses, and it was very interesting. Several of them stressed the importance of the preaching of the word of God. That this not only doctrinal strength. And of course, one of them was uh, Darby Fulton, who had been the mm -hmm. head of missions. And that, again, was one of the strong, strong points of the origin of the PCA to reach out to the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, I maybe I'm sure you, you it would be wonderful to see a history of what was called the Presbyterian Evangelistic Fellowship. Mm -hmm. I, you imagine that they were probably at its highest point. I would I would estimate your your history. You may know this, but I would estimate about twelve, somewhere around that twelve full time Presbyterian evangelists, you know, run by run by a pastor named Hill in uh, from Virginia, and they would hold full week services, preaching services from Sunday to Sunday or from Sunday to Friday night in which in the, the style of Billy Graham would preach evangelistic services in the local churches and there were many people that came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministries of the Presbyterian Evangelistic Fellowship. But the preaching of the gospel, the calling of men to faith and believing. You know, I I do wonder, I, I, I don't want to get into any sort of critical mode at this point, but I, I do wonder, that, or maybe I should put it on a positive side, it would be very wonderful if preachers in the pulpits of the PCA preach on Sunday morning expecting someone to be converted to Jesus Christ and come to saving faith in the presence Amen. of that sermon. That, yes. I'm, I'm afraid, something of a lost concept. I'm not sure how many preachers, how many sermons are preached in the PCA and which is the power of God to save a sinner through one message on one in one service is Amen. is the way God will work. But uh, how wonderful it would be and what impact it might have in waking up our church. And you know, if if the members of a church congregation hear that kind of sermon, that puts them on an edge to want to invite others that are not Christians to the service, and also to do more of sharing the gospel themselves with their neighbors. Praise God. That's encouragement to me. What, you know, when you were mentioning uh, that gentleman, was it Bill Rose? or what Bill, was, Rose. Bill Rose. And just how he was on one extreme and then went to the other extreme. What I love about the PCA is we, you don't have to be on one extreme or the other. Like, I think your life, Dr. Robertson, really kind of models that. I mean, you know, author of Christ and the Covenants and, and such a deep appreciation and have taught most of us covenant theology through through your, I mean, through that book that's in that's been in all the seminaries. And yet you're a missionary for 25 years with an evangelistic focus. And so praise God for that. And, and uh, I don't know what box you put yourself in, but uh, do you, do you, how do you view yourself? That, that would be maybe a good question. <laughs> That's really a very interesting question. I, w I was just preaching in a neighborhood church, and, and I, the, it was for uh, the replacement of the Boy Scouts. And I looked down, and there were you know, 40 or 50 young people of 
uh, primary school age, and I had to preach a, a, a children's sermon, preaching an evangelistic message to these children, and in the middle of the sermon to, to call on some of them to consider becoming gospel ministers. I said, I'm praying for two or three of you to become preachers or missionaries. How many of you have even thought about that and got a few hands up? <laughs> so in some ways, I regard myself as, first of all, an evangelist. I, I was converted under Billy Graham, even though I had memorized the, not the shorter catechism at that point, but the child's catechism and was raised in a Presbyterian church, but didn't know Christ until Billy Graham came to town. So that's in my blood, but also I, I love exegesis particularly. I love the scriptures and all the wonders of the truth of God that is found there. And it, I have a great love for teaching and communicating that, that truth to, to God's people. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Yes. And you're, you're just prolific. So your, your latest book is Christ of the Consummation, uh, the testimony of the, the four gospels. And now you're working on two more. Is that right? That's right. Acts <laughs> in the, on the, the testimony of Acts and the, and, and Paul is on the way. Okay. Grace. Well, good. Praise God. Praise God. And and I I understand you will be at General Assembly again this year. Is that public yes, news? Yes, that is true. Uh, I look forward to to seeing all the brothers again and enjoying the fellowship of the General Assembly once more. Being yes. away for twenty seven years and now coming back is is a real blessing. Praise God. It's a yeah. blessing for us. Uh, Yes. Just a couple other things on the radar. I don't know how you, you have time for it all. You're going to be a speaker at the Gospel Reformation Network Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina on May 3rd and 4th, along with uh, John Payne and um, Kevin DeYoung and uh, a, a number of other wonderful speakers. You'll be at General Assembly, probably doing something public. Uh, I don't know if that's publicized or not you're going to be our missions conference speaker here at meadowview in the in the fall which our people are just really excited about uh so there there's a and and, in the, and somehow you're trying to write or biblical theology of the rest of the, of the new testament so that that's just really prolific uh and and you, you have a lot of years left i'm sure and you are making the most of them so <laughs> praise god we praise god for you uh dr robertson well, thank you very much yeah so uh, Wayne, tell tell the tell our listeners a little bit about how they can access resources at um, the PCA History dot org or whatever, whichever the website is, and and what else is on there, like position papers, like how can we, and then also, is there anything you're aware of for the fiftieth anniversary that would uh, regarding our history that is uh, listeners would be interested in hearing? Uh, as to PCA history, we've developed we're developing a page specifically tracking the history of the PCA and that's prominently linked at the top of the page for the historical center so pcahistory.org and you'll see that link on the history of the PCA uh, where we're tracking that with different resources that we're adding as we can as time permits uh, also at, on at the top of pcahistory.org you'll see a link to general assembly minutes and if you click that link at the top of that page for the first general assembly there was a publication that compiled the sermons and addresses at that first General Assembly, and right there on the left at the very top. On page 16 or 18, I think it is, you'll see Dr. Robertson's address, The Continuing Presbyterian Church and the Faith Once Delivered. What is that? Is that an audio? What is that? I'm sorry? 
it, wh- when you say you'll see Dr. Robertson address, is that a recording or the, the, uh, the transcript? In the that first block there for the first General Assembly, which you have on the screen. Yes. Over on the right, the third link addresses delivered during the first General Assembly. If you'll click that now, if you wow, that's beautiful. Proceed to about the 18th page, there. Click that. You see his picture. There you go. Look at you. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't know how this is going to show up in the video, but this is a beautiful resource. Palmer, you wanted to say something. I could see. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Say that again. We I had you muted. I had some hair back then. Yes, you still have some hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. This is this is a beautiful guide. I didn't know we had this. So I hope our listeners. So these are the address, the transcripts of the addresses that were given at that first general assembly. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, praise God for that. What a wonderful ministry you have, Wayne. It is, you know, history. The one who does not know history, as the old saying goes, is bound to repeat its mistakes. And the ministry that you're doing there is just absolutely invaluable. One one of these days, people are going to find out how important that work is. I, I, I I do get good feedback from time to time from different folks and uh, do continue to pray that we're doing a good work and add as, as things become available. Praise God. You, you are a churchman and, and we do appreciate you. And uh, are you going to be at the General Assembly? Uh, that We're working on that. Yes, we should be able to. Um, expecting to be okay. there, Lord willing. What are, what are some things you're hopeful for as the PCA turns 50? And what are some encouragements you want to give us? Uh, you, Wayne, why don't you start? Because I know Dr. Robertson's going to have a lot. So, uh, Well, as far as encouragements on the note of history, I've, I've been told in the past that people tend not to really care about history until things get out beyond 50 years. I'm looking to see if that proves true, if, if we begin to see a, a, an increasing appreciation in the next coming years. I think we will. Praise God. I, I Hopefully, yes. Okay. And Palmer, how about yourself? What, do you, what are some encouragement as we go into General Assembly and maybe some exhortations? Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much exhortations, but I... You know, we have the core here. We in the PCA. You know, I I remember, and and this was, you know, Dr. Greg Singer was the professor. He had been professor at Wheaton University and came down to Belhaven when it was first starting. And when the PCA was formed, he said, "The PCA is the hope of America." And he's a church, he's an historian and quite a, uh, Wayne, I don't know how much you've run across. He didn't write very much. He did write on the theological history of, of America, which is a un- very interesting topic. But he, he was a very knowledgeable person, church historian or historian generally. Yes. And, uh, but why is that? Well, truth if you've got the core of truth it's like like a some sort of you know material that radiates force and power and the truth is there in our confessional standards and the truth about how churches ought to operate is there in our in our statement of church government. This is a very unique thing. And that truth has power. And my, my hope and my prayer is let the church be the church. There are things that the church can do that nothing else can do. And the church doesn't need to do 
a lot of things that are kingdom upper kingdom activities that are good to be done and should be done by Christians in many different ways, but let the church be the church. And that means public proclamation of the whole truth of God, not hiding from the world anything that God has revealed, as, as Paul says to the Ephesian elders, I have not held back anything that is of the truth of God that is for your for your well-being to to promote and publicly declare that word preaching it's proclamation it's a declaration we are ambassadors for Christ in this world and if the PCA and all its ministers we know we started with 300 delegates and now we've got 2300 delegates at the General Assembly, what kind of impact? We're now in every state, I assume, of the United States of America. The in, the potential for impact. And in terms of that moment of celebration of the Lord's Supper, you know, the, the back side of that is the power of discipline. If, if the church were exercising its discipline the way it should, and not allowing anyone at the Lord's table except those that have properly confessed and walked in the light of our Lord Jesus Christ, politicians would be trembling. They would be trembling in their feet if the, they knew the church was going to exclude them from communion if they promoted this or that particular issue publicly. So let, and no other institution can do that other than the church. Yeah, wow. But let the church be the church and it will have an impact on this world and this nation that cannot be measured. Praise God. That's a good word. That's, uh, I know people are going to be um, really encouraged to hear that. And so thank you both, both you gentlemen for, your service to the denomination, your service to our Lord, but to, to us. And uh, I do think history is important, and I think there is a resurgence and a, a revival in wanting to know the PCA's history. And so thank you, uh, Wayne, for for cataloging that for us, for being not our historian, but our uh, archivist, I guess you, you called yourself. And that that is wonderful. And, and Dr. Robertson, thank you for being such a important part of it. And uh, for, for our listeners, I mean, this is mostly a ruling elder podcast uh, aimed at kind of trying to do here in the 21st century what, what Dr. Robertson and those gentlemen were doing back uh, in the 80s and 90s with session to session. But uh, I would encourage you to go to the uh, PCA Historical Center website, which is PCAHistory.org, and look for those session to session records because it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, like, there are articles about uh, engaging with the culture. There's articles about polity. There's, there's stuff about our history, uh, encouragement in the ordinary means of grace. And so there's all kinds of things there and messages being shared between sessions. And we hope here at Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen, we are doing a little bit of that uh, along with those other organizations that, uh, that Wayne talked to us about more in the PCA, which is helping ruling elders get to general assembly uh, and, and of course, PresbyCast, uh, just in general, just helping further uh, information in, 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 pres in the reform world. So this is, all, this is all good stuff. Gentlemen, thank you once again. I'll give you some final words, and then we'll sign off. Thank you. You're welcome. And George, thank you very much for hosting this and bringing us together. And Wayne, we... It would be difficult to thank you enough for, for that work that you're doing. Yeah, Do not grow weary it. in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. Praise God. Lord be glorified. Amen. 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 And with that, we will sign off. Well, this is George Sayor again, and I want to thank you for listening to the Presbyterian Reformed Churchman. If you find this content particularly helpful... I would love it if you shared it with other ruling elders to get the word out. At this point, I want to share with you a couple of upcoming events. 
A few of them are hosted by the Gospel Reformation Network, which I am on their general council. The Gospel Reformation Network has an upcoming conference, which is Lead On, O King Eternal, Pressing On with Holy Conviction, the PCA at 50 Years. This is May 3rd and 4th, so it's coming up in a couple weeks here. I guess that's two weeks, maybe three. And uh, we'd love for you to join us in North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to play a video right after this uh, explaining some of the Gospel Reformation Network's uh, vision and mission and distinctives. And that'll be like a minute and a half video, so you can listen to that. So there's Gospel Reformation Network Conference May 3rd and 4th in Charlotte, North Carolina. We'd love it if you joined us. Also, there's the GRN, the Gospel Reformation Network luncheon on Wednesday uh, during General Assembly. And so if you go to gospelreformation.net, you can buy tickets for that on Eventbrite. A third event I want to tell you about is the Barbecue with Other PCA Elders, which is an event hosted by More in the PCA. And so if you go to Eventbrite or the More in the PCA website and look for their event or put in BBQ with Other PCA Elders, you can get your tickets for this uh, great time for ruling elders to connect, uh, collaborate, network, and praise God together, enjoying one another's company. Uh, thanks again for listening. Hello, my name is John Payne, and I have the privilege of serving as the executive coordinator of the Gospel Reformation Network, a network of PCA teaching and ruling elders who are committed to cultivating healthy Reformed churches in the PCA. As we expand our ministries, we continue to challenge the PCA to maintain biblical fidelity and confessional integrity. That is an unyielding commitment to the inerrancy, inspiration, authority, sufficiency, and efficacy of scripture for faith and practice, along with a resolute adherence to the Westminster standards. We also want the PCA to be gospel-driven and Christ-exalting in ministry, that there'd be a sincere passion to proclaim the gospel of grace, always with the aim of exalting Christ in God's people. We also want to challenge the PCA to be earnest in prayer and committed to expository preaching, that is, to have a resolve to practice fervent prayer in the closet and from the pulpit, along with an unbending dedication to expository preaching that informs the mind and transforms the heart. In addition, there is godly leadership. We want to encourage PCA pastors to cultivate piety in their lives. And then there's reformed worship. We want to challenge the PCA to be committed to the regulative principle of worship and worshiping according to the Word of God and our confession. And finally, missional clarity and church multiplication. We want to encourage and challenge the PCA to be committed to what the Bible calls the mission of the church. If you're interested in learning more about the Gospel Reformation Network, go to our informative website, or better yet, join us at one of our future events as we seek together to cultivate healthy reform churches in the PCA.